What is up? What is up? What is up, everybody? We're back again with episode 44, my old hockey number, with another episode of Between Two Posts. It's Everett. I'm alongside Kyle here for the intro. Unfortunately, we're missing Moiser because a window fell out of his house. So that's obviously a project you kind of got to hop on. But uh, other than that, Kyle, what's up, man? I mean, I'm doing good, but I I can't uh, glance over what what was just said. So one, your hockey number was 44. Uh, not when I played goalie. When I was growing up playing skating, okay. home, yeah, I, okay. I wore 44. <laughs> I was like, that'd be that'd be kind of dusty if you're just rocking well, 44. But now, is it not cool to have a non-goalie number? Like there are more guys playing in non-goalie numbers than ever before. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I mean. Even like if you look at like at the All Star game last year, I mean, mm-hmm. I think, or I don't even know if these guys were actually All Stars, but let's just say like top tier goalies in the league: UC yep. Soros, seventy four, Vasilevsky, eighty eight. Um, what's uh, Sh- is Shostakin a normal number? No, I don't think so. But I was thinking Elvis. Did you say Elvis? Oh, I didn't say him yet. Yeah, Elvis. Yep. Um, just yeah, like. Stuff's just changing, like kind of crazy. So what, Shostakin's thirty-one. That's pretty normal. Yeah, that's standard. Uh, what happened to the old number one? You never see number one anymore. I never see number one anymore. That's think, true. But like the the tone and like the hockey's changed to the point where like I think if you wear number one as a goalie, you get chirped like, "Oh, you think you're sick, bud?" You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of that instantly puts a target on your back. Coincidentally, a um. Moose Brian Elliott down here in Tampa is is number one. Oh, so okay. Yeah, that's off the top of my head. That's all I can think of. I'm wonder if there's like a list somewhere that we could just rattle off, like what the numbers are. But um, hang on, I'm looking up Kochetkov. I know he wears a weird number. It's like 86 or something like that. A lot of 80. Oh, he's number 52. Like, what is? Yeah, yeah. What is that? I mean, that's very Russian, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, what else did you want to breeze over there in my little intro? Uh, just, just our boy Moiser, classic grit guy, like misses the intro because he's installing a, a window in his house. Um, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Just completely out of the blue. He claims the window just f- fell out of the house and now he's got to put a, put a new one in there. So you're, you're a homeowner. You're saying that's never happened to you. Uh, yeah, no, I've, our window has not just fallen out. We actually even had hurricane Ian pass through and our windows didn't fall out. So just on a a breezy day in Ohio, (laughs) you never know. You obviously don't know what it's like living in the Midwest. You get some hard gusts and some good thunderstorms and before you know it, your windows all over your, uh, your garage. So you never know. You never know. This is actually kind of crazy. So this, I guess this one isn't like a super up to date list. But so this is 2019. Mm-hmm. There were four goalies wearing number 70, which I would say is also untraditional. You know, does it say the players? Uh, no, but I know for sure Hope they had to be one of them. I, I don't know who else wore 70. That's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Um, so 44, Ev, if you were wearing it, not, not as weird as we thought. Yeah. Yeah. I could have, I'm always a big, 
and I didn't even know what like angel numbers were. I was a big fan of numbers repeating. So like 44 and then I wore 33, not so much because of Patrick. I just wanted 33. So uh, 33 and 39 were my two go-to goalie numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, never 44. Could have though. Clearly it's uh, it's what the young people would call uh, lit as they say. I just think like all a lot of traditional kind of like barriers in hockey have just been getting broken. Like I feel like kids nowadays just don't care. Like when I was growing up, if I was growing up, like if I wore, I don't know, even we'll we'll call like 37 or 38 as a goalie, like I'd get chirped. That was just, I feel like what the culture was. And now like all these kids want to be like bassy and and like the the amount of number 88 goalies I see in Tampa is ridiculous. Like youth kids. (laughs) I never thought of that. Yeah, we don't, uh, we don't see any idiots up here, but I'm sure youth hockey is just full of them down there, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every kid is either 88, 91, 86. That's like. It's just how it is. Do you uh, do you get a lot of kids doing the over the top look like looking through the bottom of the mask where they're looking through screens like Vassy does? Oh, yeah. I even started doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you're all of what? Six, six, right? Yeah. Well, you brought that up because we I think we DM'd about. Um, who who the Michigan Tech goalie coach Jamie, Jamie Phillips. Phillips? Yeah, I think he posted a video saying like basically just dogging it, saying like unless you're Vasilevsky, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but, he well he legit brought the science of like the way the eyeball is shaped and like how much light gets into the eye, and if you tilt it, it's less. Now you're at an angle where if you're straight on, like you get more or whatever, but. But what he's not taking into account is the placebo effect and the mental side of it. Yeah, like how sick do you feel doing that, Exactly. And we know goaltending is like 90% mental. So, like, if I feel like I'm Vasilevsky, even if I can't see the puck as clearly, I'm probably going to have a better (laughs) chance of stopping it because in my head I'm like, I'm sick. (laughs) I look so good in this men's league game right now trying to not take a shit in my pants. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, did I – I mean, I definitely, I hope I would have said it, but we won our men's league. Have I told I, you guys that? I'm a very bad, very bad friend because I meant to bring it up last intro, but we just got rambling and ripping on uh, some other different topics. I saw you posted your championship trophy and you got to hoist and take it to the bar and all that. So congratulations. Another championship for the staff. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty sick, um, mainly because like, there's there's kind of a lot of beef in the Tampa men's leagues. Oh so, boy. Oh yeah. So uh, basically there's like two powerhouse teams and um I actually I have history with both teams because I started out little shout out Global Synthetic Ice did start out with them, played a season <laughs> with them, won a championship, right? After I win this championship, I get cut from the team. Cut. Cut. Yes, cut. they're uh so their their other goalie had um he had like some crazy big knee surgery and I okay. had both the team I'm on now and Global Synthetic asking me to play for them. And Global Synthetic was a little bit better than me being like, you know, I want to win. I'm going to just go to the team that's better, have it be easier on me. So I the only thing I said was like, okay, just so you guys know, this team also wants me to play for them. So I just want to see if like like I can play, you know, like multiple seasons. They're like, oh yeah, like 
he's not coming back. Like he got knee surgery. He's probably done. No, no chance. He's playing goalie again. And sure enough, like next season, he's like, Oh, I'm good to go guys. And, uh, <laughs> he's a great guy too. But like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So, so now I'm, you know, hot off a championship. Don't have a team. And, uh, thank goodness pro therapy. My current team was like, you can still come. That was the team that I kind of, you know, bailed I, uh, on, bailed on. Yeah. And, uh, but but every year it's between pro therapy and global synthetic ice and uh so yeah your guys's team names are so corporate yes I like it. it's all sponsorships so oh that's cool yeah we got like chief Kiefer's, mr c's car wash um <laughs> don's cherries we got a bunch of weird ones up here obviously no money behind it um kyle i you know congrats i don't want to you know, glaze over your championship. I'm glad we added another uh, trophy to the case here with between two posts, but we got a hot button topic to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I mean, you, you had a hot take last, last week and <laughs> this is the way this played out. Played I mean, out I would, I, I would, mean, where are you, where are your thoughts at? Now? I was going to say, I, it's not even a hot take anymore. Like, no, I think, on. dude, I think I'm like proven right two games into the year. And no matter what happens, like, I don't, I don't think anything could happen to where, unless he comes back stronger now and wins the Vesna, I think I'm right. Like there's, I'm feeling very confident that my, my comments about Matt Murray were very accurate. I mean, we just saw him go down literally the second game into the season they already have goaltending issues. Everyone's already calling for Dubas's head. And on top of that, did you see the the clip where there's like, we were joking about Matthews and Marner and stuff playing goalie and D. Yeah. And then in the game, there's a clip where like all six forwards or sorry, five forwards are like in the Toronto crease while the puck's crossing the line, like their own net. So just, I don't know what's going on there, but um, I, I'm starting to really think they might not make playoffs, even though they are, they did pull out a win that game. So who knows? I, uh, I would love to see Matt, uh, Austin Matthews play goalie though. I mean, that'd be fun. I bet you he'd be nasty. Is, do you think he's just that? Like I have a friend like that. His name's Ryan Kish. He is just a fantastic. What he does. He plays roller. Incredible. Yeah. Plays ice. He's incredible. He golfs. He's incredible. Any sport you ask him to play. You know, like tailgating games, he's incredible. He's just good at everything. Do you think Matthews is a lot like that? Where, you yeah, know, like he's I, just 100%. gross, has unreal style, and just he can do anything because he's just a physical phenom? Yep. 100%. I think that's just who he is. I think, like, I think exactly like that. Like, not only put him in goal, like, I think put him in any other sport and he'd crush it. So, football? I could, yeah, I've seen him. I feel like I've seen a clip of him like throwing a, a football around pregame. So maybe like a QB. Could he save your Buccaneers? Uh, <laughs> they're rough this year. So, man, I, I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know if, if he needs to get back with Giselle and like the magic will come back. Maybe that's all it is. Did you ever watch the movie Goon? Uh, yes, but I'm I'm not super familiar with. 
Okay. So I'll, maybe I'll jog your memory, but I'll give you context. And there's a funny line that the guy says. And uh, the captain of the team, I think, I don't, no, he was captain. He wasn't the coach. That was that was slap shot. Uh, but in Goon, the captain of the team is an old, you know, grizzled vet beard. And when Doug Glatt gets to the locker room, he's all depressed and he's drinking. And he asks his little, like, puppy winger or whatever that young guy that he always asks for uh he's got his stuff ready to go and he says his name and he slaps him and he gives him a fifth of you know whiskey or whatever it is and glad's like oh you're drinking in the room <laughs> he goes yeah i'm i'm getting divorced <laughs> and every time i hear about tom brady <laughs> getting divorced i just think about the this guy from goon the the, the captain when he's sitting yeah. in uh when he's sitting in the stall he's just like she says she hates hockey how can you hate hockey? <laughs> and Tom Brady's in the locker room like, she says she hates football. How can you hate football? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how Tom uh, how Tom's going to do. To be honest, I thought the Steelers were, were pretty shit, so I took Tom Brady over three, over three touchdowns thrown and, like, over 228 yards thrown, and he missed all of that. So Not even close either. Embarrassing. Yeah, but I, Barstool had a pretty funny clip because uh, during like one of the intermissions or something, he was just ye- grilling his guys, like yelling at him. And so Barstool posted it, and the caption was like, "I didn't leave my wife's and or my wife and my kids to be losing to the Steelers or something." It was <laughs> funny. I didn't give up my smoking hot model yeah. wife, my three kids that I kiss on the mouth to lose. To the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now let's go out there and get them. <laughs> you want to talk yeah. about getting hyped up? That's how you do it, right? Yeah, um, I know. Kyle, I do have a question. Do you have anything else that you want to go over? Hot, hot takes, thoughts about the NHL, the league, goaltending. Uh, I was just gonna say, I'm I'm pumped that hockey's back. Like, uh, I missed like just watching random games between two teams I I don't even like care too much about, but just like the storylines of games are just so much fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, or even like waking up the next day and you're checking the NHL app and you're like, like, Holy cow. Like, I don't know, just some, some wild games, some wild stuff's been happening. So, um, just glad that hockey's back. I think. Uh, I, I am very excited. Uh, I'm really, I, I'm a big believer in like, I don't like the first few months of the season. Cause I think there's a lot of feel out, and in terms of like sports betting, it's hard to get a read on like where games are going to be. But I think come like end of November, early December, that's when things start to settle in. And for me, like that's where I really, really like watching hockey because then you get a kind yeah. of better read on like goals where you think, you know, the over or under is going to be who's hot, who's not, who's in the lineup, who's out, who's kind of getting hot goal scoring wise, what goalies are, you know, turning it on. So. I uh I am excited though to watch hockey and start betting on some games again. Small amounts, small amounts, because I don't need the money. But... Have you have you seen the the Torts pregame speech yet? No. To start the season. Oh, no, no, no. Where it's is golden? It? It's uh I'll, I can send it to you. The Flyers posted it just on their Instagram account. Okay. And uh, it's Torts in the locker room pregame for the home opener, I think. And uh, he's just like, all right, gentlemen, like we're setting a standard and uh and then basically the whole speech is like i don't care if we win i don't care about goals i don't care about assists i don't care about points i don't care about like 
fancy deeks or highlights or any of that. He's like, all I want, he's he's talking about like blocking shots, uh, winning battles in our D zone, getting the puck over the line, getting it out of the D zone. Um, not just, just basically like the most boring, like if I was a player in the room, I would just be like, you got to be kidding me. Like this is the, the start <laughs> to our year. Our coach is telling us like he doesn't care about hits, goals, assists, points, wins. All he wants is like them to win battles and block shots basically was the whole speech. Well, I guess he just wants to have them show heart, but I don't, <clears throat> I mean, Torts is known to like turn a program or like, you know, a team around because they're not a program, I guess you'd call it. But, uh, I like, I could not imagine having to deal with that. You know what I mean? Well, for sure. If I'm a player, I'd hate it. But at the same time, if you check their their stats so far, I believe they are three and oh. Could you imagine Carter Hart turns it around this year? Phillies, the the Flyers go on a huge rip. They've been winning, so it's kind of crazy. Three games into the season, there's a lot to happen, and there's a lot of injuries that'll be popping up here. So we shall see. Um, Kyle, uh, do you have anything else? No, I think I think we're good. Not uh, nothing too crazy. Just n- another week, another episode. We're excited to to put out. <laughs> I love the energy, Kyle. Kyle, I do yeah. have a question for you. If you had to eat one meal that Hannah cooks uh, for the rest of your life, every meal, what would it be? Uh, probably twice baked potato. It's loaded with like sour cream, bacon, and cheese. You really think you could live off? Like, I'm giving you a whole meal that you can kind of put together, and you just want to eat potatoes. I uh, well, like, like that's like part of the meal that's my favorite but i'd say probably like a like a nice steak with those twice baked potatoes vegetable um like a caesar salad caesar salad steak and twice baked potatoes you think you could live off that i think so i I think that's i think that's a good balance because you're getting a little bit of everything whereas like if i like i love like pasta or pizza but like i know i'd get sick of that fast yeah, especially like because if you had one pasta, you wouldn't be able to mix sauces. You'd have to eat like marinara, yeah. meat sauce. Yeah. Uh, It'd be Alfredo. literally gross the second day. Yeah. I feel like steak, steak, like probably for like five days, it'd still be enjoyable. And then you'd be like, all right, I'm kind of sick of this, but at least it's still good. At least you like, have that twice baked potato with all that cheese and shit on yeah. it. Yeah. But pasta, like the same kind of pasta two days in a row is already bad. Yeah, like that's tough. I do love um, like a maybe maybe not something that she would make, but like some sort of taco or, or uh, like f- uh, fried rice type thing. Also, I feel like I could eat that a lot. OK, OK. Um, And the taco like fish, shrimp, chicken or beef. Depends on where I'm getting it from. Like this is forever. Yeah, I know. So I'm saying that's tough. That's real tough. I I mean, if if we're talking like Chipotle, I'm I'm a big Chipotle chicken guy. Okay. But okay. Different different places like you might go steak, but I don't I don't know Chipotle steak and just not. Yeah. You know. I get it. Um, where are you at with your fitness journey these days, Cal? Um. Pretty much the same as last week. Not much has changed. 
were so you're just in elite shape yeah pretty elite shape been skating um oh actually i do have something we can talk about because fire it up this is like huge news and um i wanted to talk about the ian cole situation in tampa um, oh uh yeah yeah so <laughs> i kind of i mean i had a, a lot of information that nothing was like confirmed but more just so of like overhearing conversations and stuff and now that it's finally out um one for those of you who don't know the the nhl reached out to this burner twitter account with no profile no previous tweets no followers no following it's just a ghost account and um the only tweet is this claim that Ian uh Ian Cole was it sexually assaulted this girl, right? That was well, the claim. Like, brutally like harassed a mind. It's not even just like a SA account. It's it would have been a minor at the time. Right. It was a it was a very like big claim. So Ian Cole gets suspended. Uh NHL investigates. So the NHL then tries to reach out to this girl after having interviews in-person hearings with Ian Cole and the girl won't come forward to the NHL. Well, let's say I wouldn't even just say girl. I'd say whoever is behind. Yeah. Oh, it, right? yes, yes. More accurately. Yes. Whoever this Twitter <clears throat> troll is won't come forward. So at this point, like it's pretty obvious that this was a, like not an accurate, thing because if you're false if claim you're, you're looking for the claim. words false claim <laughs> yes yes correct we're bright so, we're brains over here i i think it's just tough because um you know this is something that even even once it's all said and done like people are still gonna have probably a negative outlook on ian cole just because of of these accusations um even though they were false correct and on top of that i mean one, I firmly believe, uh, so the NHL is, uh, I guess they're like using the FBI to subpoena Twitter or something. They're going to try to track down who this is and there hopefully will be very, very strong uh, repercussions for those accusations. Because, I mean, if you think about it at the end of the day, like it's probably a, a million dollars worth of damage that were done between like uh having a guy like that in your lineup to uh the what is it Def- defamation charges too defamation like yep so like i don't know just just horrible and and not only that um but the other side of it is like that's ruining the the credibility to people who actually do get sexually assaulted or mm-hmm. raped or anything like that and then like they come out because like you have these cases where scumbag people maybe made it up and it's kind of like a what is it the the girl who cried wolf or something like that story <laughs> the boy who cried cried wolf but yeah, yeah i guess yeah in this instance it's reversed so i don't know just hate to see it for for everybody involved um just sucks i i also back when i was living in in new england i used to train with casey to smith which i don't know if you're familiar with his story um but he was kicked out of UNH um, for being accused of, I believe, uh, like like physically assaulting a girl. And 
he was fortunate enough to sign still in the ECHL, AHL, and is currently in the NHL. And it, it wasn't until like two years after he was kicked out of UNH that the girl came forward and, and admitted that it was like a false accusation. See, I didn't know that about DeSmith. That's fucking brutal. Yeah. And shout out and, to him and, for like somehow figuring this all right. out and getting and, there. And thank goodness like he was able to battle through and, and be good enough to where like it didn't ruin his life. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like I think he's a freshman or a sophomore in college. And for most guys, like that would ruin your career, even if she comes out two years later and, and admits that it was a false accusation. Like it was still enough for him to not be able to finish his collegiate career. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be I don't want to get on topics. So well, like that's not where our voice is, but there, it is interesting because that happened to like and I don't know if he was a football prospect going like committed to a college or he was at a college as a freshman. But that same thing happened. You know, was accused of this, that, and the other thing. Um, like very, very serious allegations. And then a year after, like, or two years later, some amount of time later, she came out and said, No, that was incorrect. This was inaccurate, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, now his name is clear, but what happened to the three years of football that he missed where he would have been playing D1? Yeah. And for people, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to make this sound good or not bad, but some kids that are playing football that go on to, you know, maybe get deals or the school hands the money under the table or they're getting NLIs now and they're getting money on the side. Some kids that are in those situations need that money to survive, to give back to their, to their family. Yeah. Uh, so to do anything like that, where you falsely put out false accusations, isn't good. But at the same time, like it's so twisted because like you said, Kyle, there are hundreds of thousands of cases where things happen to men and women in those situations where they they become, I don't want to call them victims, but they deal with, you know, sexual assault and they're not believed. Police don't follow up. They don't, you know, use the kits and they don't go to the hospitals to figure out like all the uh, evidence and start picking apart cases because they feel like they have more important things to work on. But right. at the same time, like we just went over ruining, possibly taking a shot at ruining someone's life, uh, I think is is equally bad. So how do you guys, how do we adjust for the day and age as like a whole? That's a court law thing. But uh, well, I think like the tough part is like for this Ian Cole situation, like I, I think the NHL handled it uh, appropriately, especially yeah. with like everything that's going on. Like I think yeah, you, you have to. Uh, set them aside for a little bit, do your investigation and, and see what's going on. Um, and, and like, obviously there are tons of cases that it, it does actually happen. Yeah. So I do think like it's, it's tough because you absolutely have to honor and give some sort of credit to what happened. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like there are also situations where, where how do you, kind of mitigate the, the difference between someone who's just completely making a false claim and now you this this guy's lost a month of his career or possibly years of his career because of this nonsense story yeah i mean it's it's a tough toss-up and uh you just you hope at the end of this the nhl handled it well and you know ian cole gets to clear his name and you know moving forward the accusations are uh kind of wiped kind of thing so 
Uh, but other than that, Kyle, you got anything else? No, I think we're good. Cool. Well, we're really, really excited for this episode. We have a very, very special guest, a kid from Michigan who's written a story that couldn't be more incredible and uh, has some very, very exciting insight. Uh, this is episode 43. Be sure to, or 44, excuse me. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow uh, on all channels and uh, tune in every Wednesday. And we'll see you guys next week. We're going to step away very briefly for a quick word from our sponsor. Take your goaltending development to the next level by giving your goalies a crease every drill. Easy crease quickly and easily gives goalies a crease anywhere on the ice. This works great for small area games, goalie clinics, or anytime your goalie doesn't have a crease. You can order these at www.easycrease.com. Again, www.easycrease.com or check them out on Amazon. I'm a huge advocate for Easy Crease. I think you can use this at every level, whether you're you know, coaching in major junior, high school hockey, or you're just dealing with 12-year-olds or anyone younger. Anytime you go cross crease or you're warming up in the, uh, in the middle of the ice between the blue lines, if you're using, like for younger kids, you're using shared ice, so players on both ends. Uh, you're doing a goalie clinic and you want kids to start doing a lot of crease movements. You move the net around. You use one net. You don't you know, peg it and you move the net around, you trace out, you know, three, four, five different creases, depending on the goalies, everyone can start skating and hitting their spots. The other thing is, I don't think this is just for goalie coaches. I think this is for goalies themselves. If you don't have a goalie coach and your team is doing half ice stuff, bring the marker out with you. When you guys go to half ice and you're doing cross ice drills or games or anything like that, small area stuff, boom, grab the marker, quick, uh, you know, hook it onto the net, uh, do your little C cuts coming backwards. One quick crease, boom, you're done. Now you can hit your spots. Now you have a feel of where you're at on the ice, just like you do when you play full ice and you're in the painted crease, right? I think this is a huge tool for anyone to have. I think if you don't have it in your bag and you don't carry it around with you on the rink, you're making a mistake. Again, it's super easy, quick hook system. You drop it on the net. You don't have to clip anything, nothing. Boom, press the marker into the ice. You're skating backwards. You have crease in seconds. So definitely check them out, easycrease.com. If you're a social media person like I am, they have an Instagram, at easycrease. Again, E-A-S-Y-C-R-E-A-S-E. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. Now uh, we'll take it, kick it back to the show. Thanks, so. This meeting is being recorded. Thanks, Zoom. Uh, let's see. Evan didn't respond yet. <clears throat> <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and goalies from all around the world, we're excited to bring back another episode. We have a very, very special guest from Farmington Hills, Michigan, specifically Northville, Michigan. It's Johnny Letheman, a.k.a. Johnny Droppin, 26-year-old goalie, just recently signed with the Grand Rapids Griffins, and a high school hockey standout. Johnny, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, baby. Excited to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. I know you're a really busy guy being pro and everything now and signing with uh, your nearby hometown team. Uh, we, we appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to sit down and shoot the shit with us. Um, we got to I got to figure this out right away. Uh, we, I got a couple of questions about Instagram. One, Johnny Droppin. What's what's the what's the story there? <laughs> you know, I think it goes back to the me and some buddies in uh, high school, we'd always like 
make fun of each other, call each other like like uh, Gordy Gohards, and there's another one too in there. And they all start calling me like Johnny Drop in, like you, Johnny, you're trying really hard, like in the drop in skate kind of thing, like you're just a hero kind of. So yeah, that's kind of how it uh, came about. It was just kind of like a little nickname that I just kind of like used it for my social media sense. So are you the guy that uh, at Farmington Hills Suburban, you'd be running warm-ups before you guys stepped out for shinny or some drop-in? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the balls, the hand-eye going before. Yeah. Like, full dynamic in. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? All while there's a 45-year-old guy, like, having a tough time bending over to tie his skates to get out on the ice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always remember, we actually would. we go to uh, Farmington Suburban for, like, literally, like, sticks and pucks and then uh, there's this legendary uh, trainer that we had. His name was Doc. It was V. Lebron. Uh, he worked for, like, the Farmington team and, like, Unified, and now he works for Novi now. And he, every Friday night at, like, 11 p.m., he'd have, like, Friday night skate at Suburban. So, like, literally in high school, I grew up, like, we'd always be at Suburban, just, like, ripping just shitty and all that. So that was always a lot of fun. That's sweet, dude. So you really, uh, you really chased it. I mean, that's along the same lines of, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever crossed paths. He's a little older because uh, Jake's, well, I guess Jake's only, what, 29? So I guess three years. But Jake Toit, me and him used to just rip up at Macomb. We'd always be at uh, drop-ins all the time. And that's like me and Jake didn't know each other outside of him playing for De La Salle and me for Ike. So that's why I'd run into him. But yeah, he'd go rip it up. He'd do a high school drop-in. He'd stay for an adult drop-in. Like the guy was like dialed in and just yeah, yeah. anything to see more pucks. Um sure. You got to have it. You got to be chomping at the bit to be this. Yeah. Elite, right. For sure. You um, get the right, you know, and it's just like, it's how you just hone your craft kind of thing. You get better. So for sure. Uh, new Instagram. What's, uh, what's the deal there? You got, uh, you got too many girls chasing you down there, Johnny. Oh, no, no, no. You're saying that as I have my girlfriend in the other room right now, but, um, no, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> not even close like in a very serious relationship my girlfriend and i we got a dog and all that but um no it was kind of just a thing that um just a lot of clutter i feel like over the years like you know i've had that thing since i was in high school and just a lot of accounts that i followed a lot of people that you know weren't aren't in my life kind of thing kind of like random all that you know what i mean just things that didn't have anything to do with me and i was just like too much clutter and i was like i'm just gonna kind of blank slate and just, you know, follow people that, you know, are important or part of my life right now. And kind of, you know, whatever I share is kind of just like with them, you know, so. Cool. That's no, just. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not uncommon. I mean, we just talked to Maddie Valalta uh, out there from Ontario, as you know, and uh, yeah. he, like he keeps, no, he had an Instagram that got verified, like blew up, had a bunch of followers because like when you get drafted and everyone knows your name and like you're playing in the O and all that stuff, obviously like, you get a little, a little bit of a following, but yeah, he said he shut his down and now his is private and it's like, you know, Moss man. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just Moss man. He's got like, yeah, just a pretty small, like whoever just follow the boys and whoever else, you know, and just keep it a little bit more intimate, I guess, you know, it's a little more private. Clean cut too, man. And like, you only got to see what you got to see. You're not seeing a bunch of like random, like garbage that people are putting up or like all these influences yeah. and all that stuff. Like we don't need that. Right. Yeah. All I got is uh goalie videos and dog videos. That's yeah. all I see. Right now. 
or on my explore page, you'll see yeah. stuff like that. So I like it. Uh with the dog, you guys just got a new pup. What'd you guys get? Yeah, so we got actually back in January in Greenville um last year, we got a miniature dachshund, but it was like funny story, like my girlfriend, she uh had been wanting a dog for like a long time and like it seems like a bunch of guys on a team, like seemed like every like week somebody new on the team was getting a dog and my girlfriend just kept asking me and asking me and I was like no, like not right now, you know, like I, I'm hoping to get called up. It's just not the right time. It's just to be too much of a mess to deal with, blah, blah, blah. You know, like the lifestyle that we have and everything, all the back and forth, it's just too much. And then mm-hmm. finally, a guy, I was, I was talking to an older guy, I was like, yeah, like, you know, we, we were saying the same thing for years, but then we finally just did it. And he's like, there's really never ever going to be a perfect time to do it. So I'm like, all right, fine. Like I gave in. So we got a miniature dachshund, his name's Augie loved them like unbelievable it was, it was actually really good for me like an escape like when i got home um from the ring to like get my mind off things and it was actually like really really good for me to have like kind of that like i said escape that getaway like something to get my mind off hockey and then sure enough though like i only had the dog for three weeks and then get the call that i have to go out to la getting called up to ontario <laughs> so, pack up my apartment, throw everything in my car and put it in the parking garage. And I have to fly out the next morning to LA and my girlfriend has to fly home to Michigan now with the dog. So that was kind of that. So we we only got to stay in Greenville for a couple of weeks, but now what's nice is that like now, since I'm signed with GR, like there isn't any up and down movement with me. It's easy. Like it's so close, like with the disabled to drive and everything. So it's nice to like have my girlfriend with me and you know, our dog now too. It's just like, you know, makes you a little bit happier and all that, like during the week and when you're coming back from the rink and everything to see them and to be able to hang out and stuff and not be kind of stuck by yourself. So for sure. I mean, the, <clears throat> the thing that you're adjusting to right now, and obviously you're, you're kind of figuring it out and like, you know, you're leaning on vet teammates and grizzled guys, but like the jump from like, college hockey to pro is just so different where you don't have class you don't have a ton of extra time and if you got older guys on your team depending on like what your team dynamic is like some of those older guys don't hang out with the younger guys anymore they have wives they got kids they got families they got a ton of other shit to do so like you wake up in the morning you work out morning skate rehab treatment eat and then you're out of there and you have a whole day where it's like shit now what do i do to fill my day I think it's pretty cool that you get you get to come home to your gal and Augie, and it's a good way, like you said, it's hard once you turn pro. Like It can't always be hockey. It can't always yeah. be, you know, dissecting your game or what did I do right here? We got this, you know, like you got to get away from it. You got to have like a mental escape and got to be able to relax. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. No, I feel like it also, you know, translate over to like just playing better too. Like I feel like sometimes when I get – before when I get too consumed with, you know, hockey and I come home and be like looking at video, dissecting things, you know, like feel like, you know, everything is uptight and you just play uptight. You don't play as well and loose and relaxed. So I think, you know, the more like hobbies or things that you have to get your mind off of the game of hockey, you know, kind of like, it sounds like counterintuitive, you know, you always say like, you know, do more, like do extra, um, like do more workouts, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like, especially once you get to, pro like the season can be such a grind it's almost like find what works for you like less is more 
you know, do what you got to do to stay sharp, but like get out of there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because start doing too much, it wears on you mentally. So you just, I found that like you just won't be able to perform as well, you know, when you're getting, being exhausted and just, you know, consuming yourself with the game kind of. So that, and you don't want to burn out, like you said. It's a long season. You guys are going to be on planes. You're going to be on the bus for six, seven hours. Like you don't want to kill yourself a month into the year. You want to be able to stay fresh and like relax. But like you said, when you step on the ice, when you're at practice, when you're at video, when you're working with your goalie coach, you know, in rink dialed in, everything's got to be perfect. We're good to go. And then when you walk away, you get to relax. So that's the way it's got to be. Uh, you have a very, very cool connection and it's very, very, it home, hits home. Jesus, man, somebody else should run this. It hits home hard with me and the Vaughn crew. Um, when you were playing high school ho- hockey at Farmington, you had a legendary coach and a legendary, I don't know what to call it, a team member. He was a sales rep, but he was like, Billy was so much more than that. But you had Billy Newton, the head coach at Farmington. Uh, I just wanted to see, like, did you have any cool stories about Billy? What was it like playing for him, playing with a guy? You know, like, obviously, he had his brother, Tom, that you met at Michigan State. Like, he's a really good hockey family and just good people in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, unbelievable family, unbelievable people. Um, Coach Bill was just a special guy, you know. Um, I, I got to know him at a pretty young age, actually, since my brother, who were seven years apart, he played for Farmington High School. and. Okay. uh Bill was the assistant coach then. And so I got to know him through that. And like, he knew that I was a goalie and all that. And I would order all my gear through him, um, all my long gear. You know, I was a kid, I was so pumped. That's like one of those things where uh, I would just like come home from school and I would sit at my laptop or my computer and just literally design pads like all day. <laughs> so Bill was awesome. He like brought me in to, uh, brought me out to Vaughn, like gave me a tour through the facility and everything like that when I was a kid and just, you know, helped me design my pads and everything. So knew him from pretty early on. And then um, he wasn't my the high school coach um, until my senior year, but he was always kind of around. Yeah, he, he, he stepped away for a while. And um, Mark Vellucci was the head coach for a while there. Now he's at Novi, but then so Vellucci was the head coach my sophomore and junior year, and Bill, but Bill's son, Chris Newton, who I don't, I'm not yep. sure you met him at some point. He was a goalie. He played with my brother, but um, he was the assistant coach then. And then my senior year, the head coach, Vellucci, got the job with Novi, and then Bill came back and took over as head coach there. Um, so Bill was, he was just a guy that, you know, whenever he spoke, like everybody listened to him. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't a guy that was going to get, you know, in your face, like yell, fired up. Um, like he had his son, Chris, you know, doing a lot of like the practice planning and all that. And, mm-hmm. um, but so that's when you knew, like when Bill had something to say, you knew like you better listen and it was important. And like, he just had kind of that confidence about him and that like, you know, aura about him that, um, you know, just a guy that, you know, the players listened to him and wanted to play hard for him and do whatever, you know, he asked of them. And that's kind of um, how he was and what our like team dynamic was with him. So that's awesome. Yeah. Billy just had that, you know, like you said, aura, that shtick, like when you walked into the room, the guy owns the room, 
You know, like he's yeah. not gonna, he's not gonna be one of those rah rah guys or jump down your throat or like get in your face about how like, you know, Johnny, you gotta stop that muffin from the point or whatever like that. He's not gonna scream at you, but like when he has something to say, and the hockey knowledge that Billy brought was just, it was, uh, it was very unique, and it's he's one of those people that you look back, it's just like it was a treat getting to know him. You know what I mean? Absolutely, uh, and that's what kind of tell a story like I don't know I mean it's Michigan high school so I, mean, I don't know what the audience is like because there's a lot of Michigan people listening to this and all that but um just kind of a cool story about the whole like playoff run and everything um and cool things that I have like that I've kept with me from like that senior year that high school um season of mine and that run that we had um was actually a guy on the team uh, his mom was battling the same exact cancer um that Bill had and she passed away actually at the very end of our season, like only a couple games left and like um, is like, they're like uh, kind of had like this mantra. Her name was Kim Petrus. It was like Kim strong. And we had that on, like, on all of our helmets. I still have that on the back plate of my mask today. Um, and like, so that was our mantra and, you know, kind of rallied around that, like coach Bill, this kid's mom and everything throughout the state playoffs. And, to say that, like, you know, we didn't have help from up top, you know, if you don't believe in that kind of stuff, like, like, whatever. But it's, like, in that Cranbrook game when we were in the quarterfinals, like, the very first shot that I had was, like, from a bad angle. I was in, like, the VH, and it went through, like, my legs. Oh, no. Went along the goal line and trickled and it was just sitting there on the goal line this is like the first like 30 seconds of the game <laughs> and christopher brown he was literally committed to boston college um got drafted in the nhl that spring after that year goes from behind the net and like goes to swipe at the puck and hit it into the empty net and somehow nobody touches him anything somehow he just misses it he misses it, and I turn around and I just cover it real quick. And then we ended up winning that game three to two. Like got out shot crazy amount, like Cinderella story and whatnot. But it was just like me and my buddies. We always talk about it. it's like how did that puck? How did he miss that? Like what happened? How did yeah. those boxes go our way? You know what I mean? So it's just kind of crazy to you know think about all that stuff. And then with Billy, um, his kind of thing, he would always call everybody stales, and he was pretty active on. Uh, Twitter and you always do like hashtag the horse emoji, just mm -hmm. like, you know, tweeting that like guys on the team or alumni, all that just ca always call the styles. So that's kind of like something, another mantra that we had. And then actually on the back of my mask too, I have like the outline of the horse emoji and then a BN for Bill's initials on my mask. So just some cool things that Shit, I didn't know you had that on the back plate. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> Yeah, I've had that on my mask since, you know, since college and just kind of kept all that stuff, so. You'll have to fire me a pick. I got to show Scotty because yeah. the, the big tie-in with Billy was obviously Billy was one of our reps, but Billy, um, you know, Kyle's very fortunate to have met Scotty too, and Scotty's been a, a head pro rep for a long time, but Scotty got his in working for Billy uh, coming out of Michigan, U of M. And he worked for Billy and they were selling like, you know, Billy had a bunch of stuff, not just Vaughn, but he was selling like rollerblade wheels when those are blowing up and like anything they could get their hands on, they were working. And Scotty worked for him before he, you know, Vaughn 
pro rep position opened up, Scotty made the jump to Vaughn and like, it's been history ever since. And, uh, it was kind of funny. And I'm 99% sure Billy was the head coach at that time. Cause that was 2010, 11. We had a showcase at Rochester, like the Mac OAA thing. And all the OAA teams, the Oakland teams are so much better than the Mac, but we were in to, to go play Farmington. And like, I was like a hit or miss guy back then. Like it's, yeah, you were either really good or I'm letting in everything from the point that like I can get, I have clear sight on and it's just going in. And I stepped in, we played Farmington and we lost like two to one, but I saw maybe like 40, 45 shots. And it was just one of those good games. Yeah. And then I know Billy was the coach then and I hadn't seen him. I didn't meet him again until I started at Vaughn. So it was just a weird way how like paths cross all the time and you don't even realize it. So. Oh yeah. Crazy, like how the hockey world seems to be big, but like it's so small, really. You know, like you're like, oh, oh I yeah. played with this guy, you played with that guy too. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's always kind of fun, like coming to a new team when you're meeting guys and all that. And you're like, oh, I played with him. Oh, you played with him too. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's you know, pretty cool kind of thing about hockey. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's just such a tight knit world. But, Johnny, yeah. I do want to find out, like, you know this for a fact because you went through it. It's very hard to make the jump from high school to go play junior hockey, let alone like the North American League, but you went to the Chicago Steel. Did you have an advisor working you through this? Like, how did you make that jump? Or was it just you got noticed and went to camp? Where was it like, oh, I'm going to go to like, you know, sometimes you get junior camp invites that aren't necessarily invites. You know what I mean? We talk about that a lot where like they'll invite 30 goalies they'll collect their ice bill for the first two months from those kids and move on. Did you get invited? Was it a real invite? Because Connor Hellebuck's story was kind of like that. Like he went to Odessa's camp, like just going because he was coming out of high school and ended up making the team. And now you look at where he's at, right? Yeah, no, um, <clears throat> kind of crazy. So I guess I'll run it all the way back to my junior year. They're going into my senior year that summer. So summer after my junior year, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I wasn't really on the radar for anything USHL. Like, um, I had a decent high school year, and I played in the MDHL, like the fall league stuff, like did pretty decent. So went to a couple, uh, went to an NA camp, like a pre-draft camp, and then one main camp. So going into my senior year, like I was just hoping, you know, sign with an NA team and be playing there. But um, it's funny enough, I actually went to Odessa's camp because they had the uh, camp held – at Cranbrook. Um, okay. So I was like, okay, like it's local. So we'll just go to the camp. And I made it to the all-star game and like almost made the team. Like the coaches were like, yeah, like, you know, we really like you, but we don't want any guys that are still in high school, like any boys still in high school, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, like whatever. But it, I thought it was a good thing that that didn't make it because then, you know, obviously I would have been on a different path than I am on now. And who knows if that would have been better, or, you know, worse, but, mm -hmm. um, what kind of things happened for me was I was having a good high school senior year and all that. And it was that, again, that quarterfinals Cranbrook game where there was a lot of scouts in the building actually that night, like a couple NHL scouts, college scouts, junior scouts, but they weren't there to like watch me or watch Farmington. They were there to watch Cranbrook because like yeah. I said, they had Christopher Brown, they had Sam Militech who was committed to Michigan at the time. I think he's in, Pittsburgh's organization, or I might be wrong, it might be somewhere else now. And then they had Austin Alger, who was, you know, a D1 commit too. Um, so, like, they had, like, and they were, like, they only had lost one game up until then. So, they had a lot of guys that, you know, 
scouts were there to go watch those players. And then I had a really, really good game, obviously. And, you know, they saw that. So then after that, like, then that's when my phone kind of started ringing. And it was actually Phil uh, Ozer. He was the scout for, um, or no, he's the assistant coach for Cedar Rapids. So he yeah. was actually like talking to me and all that while recruiting me to Cedar Rapids that spring. But then he got the hockey ops job um, for Michigan State. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And then after the playoffs and everything, I had like a couple advisors reach out to me. And then we ended up, my parents and I made a decision to like go with an advisor at that time because okay. we didn't know enough. Like I, I didn't know, like we were getting lots of calls from, you know, different leagues, different teams. I wasn't sure, you know, what to think of it, what to do of it. Like I did sign a tender with um, Springfield Junior Blues, but I never ended up going to camp or anything because then I ended up getting drafted pretty high by the Steel and had a good idea that I was going to end up playing there the following year. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened. But um, yeah, it was it was a huge shock, definitely going from Michigan High School to uh, the USHL. Yeah, there's a very big uh, skill variety yeah. there. Oh, like it was, it was crazy. Like I, I, I was telling somebody about this because they brought it up uh, not too long ago. And I was like, yeah, like honestly, it was almost like it's like a, a culture shock because I'm coming from Michigan, Division Three Michigan high school hockey, where like <laughs> I'd have like looked around the room and a couple guys on the team, or we had a guy on the team who would like be wearing like a polo shirt, like a bright orange polo shirt underneath his like equipment. You know what I mean? Like didn't have like an under armor or anything on. Yeah. Like, that's gotta be a freshman. <laughs> guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like nobody like was trying to like really go anywhere. I think like, you know, a couple guys went to play uh club hockey at MSU and stuff. And, you know, we were, we were just kind of just having a good time. And then I go into a locker room with, you know, a bunch of guys that are you know, division one commits drafted in the NHL. And I just, I didn't know how to like have that pro mentality, like, you know, to do the extra, take care of your body, the nutrition, the working out, um, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So definitely had to learn pretty quick. Um, and unfortunately that year I ended up getting two concussions and sidelined me for, you know, from January for the rest of the season. So kind of missed a good chunk of development there, but, um, you know, at least at that point, I had a good idea of what I needed to do to be successful the following year and was able to have a solid year before going into MSU. For sure. Uh, I wanted to, oh, I forgot to ask about this. So I ended up meeting a guy. I think you tried out for Bell Tire going into your senior year. Triple A, right? Did I? Because... No, I didn't try out for Bell Tire. Um, my sophomore year, or no, going into my sophomore year, I tried out for CompuWare and I didn't make it. And that's kind of, I stuck with high school. And then my senior year, I could have gone and played for a AAA team. And I just said, kind of like, no, like I'm just going to kind of do things my way, I guess. Kinda was that Bell Tire your sophomore year then? No, I, was, I tried out for CompuWare then. CompuWare. And then the other team, though, was that Bell Tire or no? Uh, I think it was Honda, but okay. I don't know why. So what's the story? Well, so <clears throat> I met a kid and he's, he's in his 16th or 18th year, Nick Bunch. And I had them come out, blah, blah. And I showed them, I don't know if it was like the middle of last year or something. I showed them a pad from 
you and it had like it was gear or something that had less than on it They're like oh i know that kid i'm like how do you know john he goes it's funny his dad who was there with me uh he goes that kid tried out for one of my teams at one point and maybe he wasn't with beltair at the time maybe it was compure but he's like yeah, yeah i cut that kid and i took a different one so i guess john went to go play high school i'm like well that cut might have been the best cut of his life because you know went two years high school hockey and now he's playing pro hockey so like this uh the, the path that worked out for him so yeah yeah no i mean it's definitely different like you don't there, there's been a few of us though like i'm proud of it like you know the michigan high school guys making it out kind of say like make it out the mud kind of joke yeah. my buddy always kind of say but um like needs from uh brighton he's a good guy he's a michigan high school guy yep. um, then you was with you right there tyler spezia he played at lance cruz did he yeah he played at lance cruz high school his sophomore year we and like my Ike wasn't great, we were good, but like we would wax Lance Cruz. And it was really, yeah. I forgot one other kid. There was one other kid who ended up being really good. And like now you look at Spees and like what a story. Like that kid's now, you know, playing in the HL like consistently, like huge for him. So I did I really didn't know. I mean, I knew I just knew he was a BG guy. I knew he was from Michigan. I just figured, you know, most of the Michigan guys that come across in pro and college, you know, just did the circuit playing for, you know, Caesars, yeah. or Honda, whatever. So I'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, you chirp him be like, I bet Farmington United could kick the shit out of <laughs> Lance Cruz this year. Jeez. Oh, man. I- um, so I got, you know, you were very, very fortunate to go to one of the greatest schools in the country, Michigan State University, oh. right? Go green. Absolutely. Go white, baby. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, a lot of stories that could be told. Uh, I got, I guess I, I always go to Rick's, but like when I left and men's was still there, Rick's, the Rick's hangout went to Luha's. So that's a little different, but I want to just refresh your memory. I want to take you back to, you know, the Red Cedar river. I want to, you know, get you back into the mindset of being in the leaves and seeing Spartan stadium. And uh, Saturday you guys had, you know, gotten after it a little bit, had some fun went to a tailgate, maybe a football game, and you're with the team bonding. And I hear Sunday morning hot yoga rolls around, and uh, (laughs) you might have been a little bit under the weather, and you painted a guy's car driving down Grand River holding your head out the window. Is that that true? Uh, I will say, sorry, here's here's Augie. All right, buddy. Uh, I will say, I think that it was pretty silly that, you know, it was the, the last home football game of the year. It was an off weekend for the hockey team. We didn't have any games. You know, we, we practiced. We earned our weekend. We practiced hard all week. We practiced Saturday. Then we got to have some fun, let loose and you all that. You earned it. You guys earned that. We earned it. And then all of a sudden I wake up <laughs> to my alarm going off and seeing all these messages and stuff. We got hot yoga. Sunday morning, I'm like, man, we don't even have a day off. Like, you know, I like I, I will never neither confirm or deny that I painted a guy's car, but I will say, I like I could have gone to the NCAA and said like we didn't get an off day this week, and so I don't know. I I just you know. Yeah. I mean, what year were you in school at that point? What'd you say? What year were you in school at that point? I was a I was a freshman, so and see you gotta. I get a pass on that, right? Come on. Yeah, you're 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 really learning 
uh, the way of the road. So, like, you got to take yeah. your lumps, right? Exactly. You know, you just you live and you learn and you all that. Won't let it happen again. <laughs> no, sir. I couldn't imagine, though, feeling like that. Your head's pounding, stomach's turning a little, and then you're in a hot yoga room just stretching oh. it out and sweating oh, bullets. Crazy. And I, I had actually, I stepped out of the room. Like, I couldn't take it. Um, so I was just like, Chilling off to the side, and luckily our head coach at the time wasn't there. Our hockey ops guy, Brad Fast, was there. I don't know if you know Fasty at all, but he's a beauty. So I was just sitting next to him the whole time. And then there was another – there was a senior on the team, too, that had to step out, and he was actually painting the toilet in the bathroom. So I didn't feel as bad about it. <laughs> you know what uh, my favorite trait about Fasty is? Like, Fasty's unreal. He was running elevation back when I was there, and – I'd go help him out and talk to him about that stuff. But Fasty's got such a unique, he's got that look that I, I heard this on the internet the other day, podcast or something. People with blonde hair and blue eyes, when you look into their eyes, it's just like they're staring into your soul. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess in our nose type, especially just seems like, you know, just a laid back, fun guy, but. Oh, he's super nice. But every time I talk to Fasty and we start talking, all I do is he's just staring at me like this and I just look right into his eyes. Intense stare there. Yeah, yeah. We actually just saw him. Um his two thousand he's got a two thousand twelve kid and they came uh they came to Cranbrook and played us. Oh, he, oh, he came to Cranbrook with you guys? Yeah, he's got a he's got a young buck, like a, a ten year old on that team. So he's the head coach and he runs the bench. So Yeah, yeah. I know I'm pumped for him now that he's like got a role with, you know, the actual team now, Michigan state, like his developmental coach and all that. Like he's such an unreal guy and a resource for those, you know, guys on the team now to have. And he's so like well-liked and well-respected yep. with, you know, alumni, current guys and all that. And just, you know, MSU in general. So, you know, I'm really happy for him to have this opportunity, you know, yeah, I'm not a huge fasty guy, though, just because when, back when I was playing in the corporate league at uh, Suburban, I mean, the guy probably put up 100 in me in one season, so he's, <laughs> he's lethal. He uh, was just ruthless, huh? Just... Un- unbelievably ruthless. Um, I got a couple more things here, and then I, I know you got some bones to pick uh, with Evan here, but um, toe taps in the gym. I heard not only was like it, when you're toe tapping in the gym, it wasn't just an off ice work. Cause obviously everything you do in the gym, you're just trying to get better on ice. Right, Johnny. But I heard that the toe taps also translated to crushing it at Luha's and just running the dance floor. Is that, am I getting I, bad lies yeah. here? Or is that accurate? It was just like toe tap Tuesday. We called it <laughs> going in my senior or junior year spring. So like, man, we were done first round of big 10 playoffs moisture knows we're always first round and out you know and <laughs> we're just grinding all spring all spring and now all of a sudden they got this new plyo stuff for us and it's toe taps and we're just literally just like ripping toe taps like one foot one foot two foot alternating so i, I know you got the you had to have reached out to spencer right on this stuff because um <laughs> it was me and him at luha's just chilling at the bar and all of a sudden, we get the phone out, start recording each other, just doing toe taps like on the bar stool and all that. Just right <laughs> in the house, just having a time. But yeah, toe tap Tuesday. Just still have PTSD from that. Haven't done that. Haven't done a toe tap once since that year. So I don't know if Dude, they're working. 
you know like like this the story you just told makes me think of it but do you know like the the shin box like the 90 90 thing like the it's like a hip rotation sort of thing you do yeah yeah we did that at osu and i don't know why but i just and it's so do you remember limpasso i'm like yeah yeah. uh dude the one day we were at like the lacrosse house and and like it's like whatever raining outside just the kitchen floor is most disgusting place in the world (laughs) and lamps literally like some song came on and lamps just gets on gets on the ground and just starts doing shin box and everyone's just looking at him going nuts dude it's so funny but i mean it's the same thing there's so many little things you do in the gym that you're just like why am i doing this right now and then i mean obviously that's it's only right to uh to take it and turn it into a joke when you're at uh, the bar at, at a little party or something like that. Crush is on the dance floor. Um, I could find this video. Oh, this might be it. Nope, that's not it. Uh, literally, um, I don't know if you guys remember if you know Cody Mylan. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we were at what bar is it? PT's. We're at PT O'Malley's. And then he lays on the floor and starts doing like the shoulder mobility, like the swimmers and all that on the bar floor, like in front of like people on the dance floor around them. It's just like he one of the just, fun things. He needs to scrape right? his back off the floor. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, yeah, but like you said, just things like that that you guys need to go through like in practice or workouts and, you know, we just make light of it and it just turns out to be really funny when we're at the bar and all that. So. Yeah, exactly. It, it crushes the dance move, man. That's that's what it comes yeah. down to. If you if you don't have any dance moves, just break out that gym routine, right? <laughs> just start doing your hip mobility and shoulder mobility. It'll be good. Uh, but yeah, shout out Spencer Wright for these, these little hot tips. I do have one question. I don't know how to ask it because he didn't really elaborate, but you had some run-ins with a bouncer chief Keefe. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's not chief Keefe, so I'm confused, but like, can you elaborate? No, this guy, like if he wasn't chief, Keefe, like he was a wannabe chief Keefe. Like he had the dreads and everything, blah, blah, blah. But he was the bouncer at Luha's our freshman year. Okay. And, you know, me, you know, incoming, we'll, we'll run this story back a little bit. So give some context to it. Um, freshman year, there's probably like six of us that aren't 21. I'm 20, you know, little, one of the older freshmen. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to step up, be a leader here. Boys, who wants a fake ID? I'll order them for us. <laughs> so we a leader. We, we all, I ordered us up these fake IDs. They're like Pennsylvania or something. One of the worst ones you get, most common. And get them. I was shocked that they actually came in. And so we all have the exact same fake ID with our picture on it, like in our information. But for some reason, me and Spence, mostly me, I guess, though, we, everybody, we'd hand them the fake. Everybody would get in except for me. And then there was times... It was this Chief Keith guy. He just didn't like me for some reason. Tell me, no, go, go. And then finally, like, it was like mid-season. Like, everybody knew, like, the bouncers, we were like the hockey team, blah, blah, blah. So they always let us in. I'd be in there, like, having a good time at the bar. And then Chief Keith would be walking around. It's like he had, like, binoculars, like a radar trying to find me. He'd, like, tap me on the shoulder. He'd grab me by the shirt and he'd, like, just get me out of there. I'm like, dude, come on. So the amount of times that my – Night ended early as a freshman because of Chief Keith. <laughs> I'd need more than two hands to comment. 
Well, uh, I mean, maybe he just had the hots for you because he was obviously always looking out for you, eh? I mean, yeah, maybe he was, but, you know, then I turned 21, handed him my real ID, and he was pissed, I'll tell you. He was pissed off. He couldn't boot me out of there. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this this shit's fake, and he's just snapping around. I'd be like, dude, call the cops. Do it. There you go. Do it. Make my day. Yeah, exactly. Make my day. Um. Well, that's I appreciate uh, you letting us into the the good life of Michigan State and uh, incredible Big Ten school, one of the nicest Big Ten schools and one of the best hockey programs in the Big Ten. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I agree. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah Johnny. I, so we got Moiser on. You know, he finished fixing his window. I heard uh, you got some bones to pick with him, huh? No, I mean, kind of a bone to pick, but like. I just want to say, has he ever talked to you guys about, like, I think he was a freshman, maybe, or maybe, because you, you were grade below me, right? So I was a sophomore. It was, like, my first, like, I was, like, they had the starting job that year, so I was playing a lot, like, trying to still figure it out. Like, I, you know, I was just, you know, pretty shaky. And every time we play Ohio State, I got moisture on the bench in the second period since I was, he was close to me absolutely just shredding me to pieces yes like, yeah. i don't know if you ever told yeah. you about to do this like i remember one time at osu i think like it was like a sifter from the blue line and i like bobbled it and like covered it up and then moisture was just ripping me and i was just like it actually like it was in my head like i was like oh my god like i was so nervous to touch the puck after that <laughs> what yeah. a glue guy i love that i yeah. Well, it was so funny. Do you remember, like, I don't know if it was, like, two or three summers ago, we got on that one uh, Zoom call with, like, C. Fry and uh, Chris yeah, yeah. and Joe. And, uh, no, dude, but it was so fun. Like, literally, my thought process was I'm never going to play a game here. I am the worst player <laughs> in this arena. You're not. I bet. I bet I better put my mark on this game somehow, dude. I would I would literally just run my mouth for sixty. Like I would scream at guys so loud, my head would start. Like yeah. head, my head would like I'd go lightheaded. Dude, Romer sent me this video like when uh at the Frozen Four. You know how they put like the microphones on oh, the glass? shit. <laughs> yeah. Like the, they would always put one right by the right by like the glass at the end of the benches for whatever reason. Dude, there's a video at the Frozen Four, like uh, some guy on the loop gets the puck and he just starts wheeling up the wall. And all you hear is me just go, ah, like I didn't even say anything. I just screamed at the top of my lungs at this guy and it, the <laughs> mic picked it up. It was clear as day. It was louder than the announcers, dude. And like, I mean, I'd, I'd go at legit, like, like anyone. And I mean, what are they going to tell me? I'm bad at hockey. Yeah, I know. I'm not out there making mistakes, so I can call attention to that. So. Yeah, I'm not a chirper or anything, so like I was wouldn't even know what to say back if I like skated by the bench. I would just get bullied. So and I would just thing, most of the guys like they just like they just like try and rub it off, but like like dude, the one guy that for whatever reason he'd always come right back at me every time was. Uh, Keandre Miller, him and oh, dude, he the kid he, from the program. Yeah, he played at uh, Wisconsin. He, I think he's a he's like a full time guy for the Rangers. Like he's actually a pretty good player for the Rangers now. Yeah, for whatever reason, like 
every time he'd just come right back at me and like dude it got it got to the point like there was like uh in wisconsin there's no there's no like pierre mcguire box in between the benches like it's like colby cohen is like the pierre mcguire guy for the i don't know if it was espn or big 10 network or whoever it was but he's literally standing like on wisconsin's bench and me and keandre are really just in each other's faces right in front of this colby <laughs> cohen guy just screaming back and forth at each other i had i had tony granado get off the back of the bench, come down over to right in my face. He was yelling at me too. I had Keandre Miller and Tony Granado at the same time fucking screaming at me in the Cole center. It was not. And I mean, like you think about it, like, I, I don't know. And it's, it's stupid, but I mean, I'm like, I literally had nothing to do with any game I ever played in or like any college game. Like I was the most irrelevant person there, but like, you know, I, you knew I was there. If you were on the other team, I made sure you knew I was there. No, Dude, that's what I was just saying. Like, you were doing, like, you know, got under their skin and getting them off their game, man. Like, that's, like, a big part of it. Like I said, like, you were legitimately, like, in my head that time, and I was, like, nervous to touch the puck. So, like, you know, you need guys like that or, like, you know, things like that happen in the hot, in the game and, you know, can be a part of it so yeah exactly exactly you're not on the score sheet moiser but man you made an impact i mean you, you got in his uh you got in his mental yeah but hey look at look at where we're at now he's he's still playing and uh i'm you know trying to put windows back together after they fall clean out of a house so <laughs> that's where we're at oh that's um, right I know. Did, I play, wait, did we uh did i play you in greenville or did i play I remember one time I played – I thought it was you. It might have been Ingham. Yeah, I don't think we ever actually played against each other, but we definitely talked on the ice a couple okay. times. Like, we were Jacksonville and we played you guys. But I was going to say, I know, like, the boys love you, Gordy Meyer, because I asked him about it one time. I was like, man, like, I remember just moisture in college. He'd always just be feeding me from the bench, and they, he would tell me, yeah, the boys just absolutely loved it. I just loved you. So, that's no, how That's all I had. That's all I had. You're in G. Are you? You're in GR right now. Yeah, in GR right now. I was telling Bomber the other day when I saw him that I'm on the shelf for a little while, so um, had an injury and stuff over the summer. So for right now, I'll be kind of just doing rehab and trying to get back, and then hopefully, you know, beginning of December or so, I'll be able to get playing. Nice. Do you uh, do you uh, hang out with New Power at all? With Newsy. Not a ton. Like, I see him at the rink, obviously, every day. Like, you know, just talk to him. Got to know him a little bit. Um, we played with a, a couple guys that uh, we both know. So, but, yeah, no, he seems like a really nice guy. He's a good dude. Yeah, you'll have to tell him I say hi. He's uh, actually, I literally just got the uh, invite for his wedding in the mail on uh, Friday, I think. So. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I just met his, we met his fiance uh, last night. We had, like, a team event. We went bowling yesterday with every all the wives and girlfriends and everything so it was good to meet them he is, he is the most like minnesota just heartbeats like a flat line like salt of the earth human being you'll ever yeah. meet he's yeah. i fucking love him oh yeah how's uh how's packy doing munson good dude he uh it's so uh, i mean now that you bring it up it's so funny because literally there's like a group chat it's been going on for probably three years now it's uh me packy 
Car- uh, Carson Meyer who played at OSU and then New Power. And oh, right. legit, like every day. And we actually, this summer, we went to uh, we went to Nashville. Packy was supposed to come, but he had to close on a house the weekend we went. So we're going to try and do like a little group chat, group chat uh, trip every summer. But no, right. Pack's good. He's a, uh, he's, he's a GM for the Minnesota loons and his yeah. uh, central, his central scout is sitting right here on, on the zoom for. Yeah, that's why I, I saw that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. No, man. It's uh, he, uh, he's, he's there. They actually, the first, sweep in the history of the minnesota loons was this past weekend so they're on the up and up there we go just get a couple goalies in charge and yeah turn right around that's what they need exactly that's that's what you want because you know what goalies know what makes their job easy and they know what makes their job hard and that's pretty much what the entire uh game of hockey is goalies job hard if you're trying to score and making it easy if you're trying to defend so yeah absolutely uh i am curious what kind of shit was Evan screaming to you while you were in the net there, left? I don't know. I just remember, like, I probably didn't hear all of it because I was trying to, like, not, like, tune it out. But I just remember. To focus. <laughs> yeah, just trying to focus. <laughs> I just remember he was just, like, came out hot. Just, Holy shit, left the man. You can't even hang on to a puck or something, something like that. And I was just, like. It was right after, like, I bobbled it, like, just like I said, like, just a sift or, like, an easy save, like, to the glove or chest, and I, like, almost missed it. So, yeah. Yeah, all you, all you had to do is look back at the bench and be like, man, like, you couldn't have done it either. That's why you're over there. And I probably would have been like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, was just, I was just wearing it because I was like, I mean, he's got a point, though. Like, I literally <laughs> like, just passed off it all, but. The worst part is, too, like, when that happens, like, especially to start out a game, something like that, like, you just feel like shit. Your gut sinks, and you're like, your confidence is rattled. And then you got some fucking psychos screaming from the bench, you're an idiot. You can't even catch the puck. Like, you want to talk about bringing notice to an issue you already got. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Dude, it was so, like, Saturdays every weekend, too, my voice would, like, start getting really, like, I'd start losing my voice, and I'd get raspy, and I forgot who it was at Michigan, but. I was yelling at someone in Blankenburg looked like looked over at me and he just goes, man, it sounds like you smack, you smoke like three packs a day. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I do, man. Trust me. I'm a diesel guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, last, you ended up signing in Ontario, uh, coming off what I, I wrote this up and I don't want you to take any offense to this, but like uh, an average subpar MSU hockey team, uh, you ended up having great numbers your senior year, but like, what you and Hildy and, you know, a lot of the goalies from Michigan State have done coming out of that program is you guys make careers out of it, which I find very impressive because it's not like Michigan State was lighting the world on fire. You know what I mean? We, you know, like you said, first round exits, uh, it's kind of a tough show. And it's yeah. it's one of those things every time I watch it, it's like, you know, it, it sucks, you know, being a Michigan State guy, but more so a Vaughn guy now. But getting to sign in Ontario, like, congrats and that's a huge step and obviously now you're in gr and you're making a career out of it which is awesome but what was it like trying to you know weave your way through i guess trying to get into the ontario um yes i mean like had a good like finish to my senior year um like a good senior year Um, we had a good team though like older team so i thought as a goalie you know i benefited from it but um 
you know, I put a lot of work in over the four years at Michigan State with, you know, the goalie coaches and things and kind of things just kind of seemed to click a little bit more that year and yep. uh, thought my team was in a good spot. And then COVID and all that happened. So it's kind of tough, like, figuring out, like, you know, what's next? Like, is there going to be a season? Like, you know, nobody was really signing. At least nobody, you know, my phone wasn't ringing like it was during the year. Like, you know, all these, like, potential options, things like that, things kind of, kind of just went away. So I ended up signing in Greenville in November and then going down there uh, a couple weeks later to start playing. And then once the AHL started up, then I signed with Ontario. But, um, yeah, it was kind of just a lot of, you know, uncertainty. I thought I'd be, you know, doing things a little bit differently, you know, than signing, you know, with Greenville at first. It was ended up being great for me. Like, went down there and was able to get a little bit of taste of pro hockey and able to, play a little bit at the, as the year went on and at the end of the year and everything. And then I was back there again last year. And, you know, again, like it felt like things, you know, starting to figure things out at the pro level and things started to click as the year went on. And then was able to get a call up, play a few games with Ontario and um, go back and have a strong finish of the year in, in Greenville. So, you know, the route hasn't always been easy, but I feel like even, you know, getting cut from AAA, playing high school hockey, like that's kind of just been the story of, how things have been for me my entire career, you know what I mean? Like injuries, you know, setbacks, getting caught, just kind of keep persevering through that and chipping away day by day and um, kind of trying to just outlast people and, you know, kind of have that mindset. Uh, So I think that's a big part of, you know, now that I'm in the situation I am now and have an opportunity with Grand Rapids, like, you know, it's taken a while to get here and now, you know, but like, you know how they say there's more than one way to, you know, skin a cat. Like there's, you know, more than one route to get to pro or to college or to junior. So I like, just being persistent and keep working, I think is, you know, something that's been good for me to keep in the back of my head. Um, so, yeah. Well, you're a guy from Michigan. You're from the mis- Midwest. You got a little grit. You got a little blue collar in you. You know what I mean? So. That's my grit, baby. That's what it's all about. You got to be, you got to be fucking sandpaper out here, especially to last in the jungle like that. Right. Absolutely. It might sound stupid, but like, I remember having this conversation with, uh, I don't know if you ever met him, but Thomas Spear, he's the, the goalie coach for San Jose now, but yeah, we were just, you know, going down the list of like college goalies. I was asking him his, his opinion on everyone, like whatever. And the one thing he did bring up is like the, the guys that are at those schools that are, you know, really, really high end. He, he referred to him as like very protected. And then like, you know, you, you talk about like the guys that are at like the Atlantic schools or, you know, the, the lower end schools in their conference that are kind of getting beat up on every night. He's like, they're almost more attractive just because like you get to actually see them in a situation where they're uncomfortable and they're forced to dig out of a holes. And as much as probably in the moment that I'm assuming for you, it felt like it was like, okay, here we go. Like I got to go out and play, you know, back to back here against Minnesota or Michigan or whoever at the time it was. And it's like, in the moment it's like, Oh, this sucks. But like behind the scenes, you see these guys watching and they're like, all right, like this Lethman kid, he goes out there, he battles, like he plays hard. He works his fucking bag off. Like that's, I mean, and it's, it, it probably helped you just as much as in the moment it felt like it was hurting you. You know what I'm saying? So. I mean, absolutely. That's a great point because I mean, you know, like when you get to pro and then especially in the coast, like, like Bomber just said, it's a jungle. Like it can be a bit of a shit show at times, you know, like 
no knock against anything because I always say that, like, tell people, like, in my opinion, the East Coast is a really tough league for a goalie to play in because, you know, it's not like these guys are, like, the players are schmucks or anything. Like, you know, maybe they're just lacking in a little bit in the defensive department or, like, you know, processing the game at a quicker speed. So, like, there's a little bit more mistakes, you know, not as systematic. Um, there's a lot more odd man rushes. So, as a goalie, like, you're seeing these, like, quality chances, these odd man rushes, two-on-ones, three-on-ones, breakaways, you know, point Blake one-timers, things like that every night on a constant basis. And you just have to keep battling and battling. There's no room. You can't, like, look around and be like, oh, well, it's my team's fault that they gave up, you know, a bunch of odd man rushes or something and put the blame on that. Like, I think it's a big, important quality for a goalie. And I think something that you can learn a lot, like being, you know, one of those guys that, you know, like you said, played in the Atlantic or whatever, they're kind of getting hung out or like in the coast, like you take ownership of your game. Like if you don't get the results that you want, you can't look at your team or outside things or other people and put the blame on them. I don't think, I think when you do that, like you're not going to be able to move on or succeed at the level that you're at or at a higher level. So I think, you know, realizing that you need to take ownership in what you're doing and finding a way, battling through to, you know, make that extra save or two on those, you know, odd man rushes or whatever it might take. Um, I think that's, you know, something that you can really, really learn from playing in the coast or playing on a team that uh, isn't necessarily a top tier team. I know my parents always, you know, told me as a kid, like, it's better to uh, be on the team in triple A or travel or whatever, where you're getting more shots compared to being on the number one team where you got 10 shots in a game, like, you know, who's the one that's going to get better. So I think it's the same thing for in college and pro. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a great point, but at the same time, it's so hard. Cause like I'm coaching a little bit here with like double a hockey and stuff like that. So it's not triple, but, and you know, like obviously with my job, I'm trying to watching kids come up the ranks and you're trying to figure out who's going to pan, but we always have that conversation of like, the kid that is good who only sees 15 chances a game at AAA hockey and you can tell has it is very good, but you're overlooking the kid too that like we're talking about sees 35, they might lose four to two, but man, like this kid can move. He sets his feet and you know, his body language and his mentality throughout the whole season in the game, even though shit's going wrong, he's like, he's staying tough. He doesn't wear it. He doesn't show it. So it's like, there's so many different things where like, He's facing adversity now, just like you did in the coast or like uh, you did at Michigan State, where a lot of guys that have it easy as they climb the ranks and then they get to pro and shit gets hard and everybody else gets weeded out. And now you're not seeing 15, you're seeing 20, you're losing back to back nights. Mentally, how do you get over that and process that? Because obviously, as we all know, like you can get into ruts pretty quick. And when you start to face tough adversity like that, and you got to have some grit, if you don't have it, you can be mentally kind of shaken up. So it's such a toss up now the way like recruiting is and who's going to be the kid who's going to be the pans. Cause yeah, he's very talented, but what happens when he gets to a point where like shit starts to get tough and shit doesn't go your way? Does he stay talented or does mentally he crumble? He's never faced that kind of adversity. So I don't know. It's a, it's a hard conversation to have. And like, you know, none of us are, well, our scout for the Minnesota loons here, but uh, outside of that, like processing, like talent and like picking out kids, it's, it's a hard job. So, yeah, I think that's why you see like more and more in college and in pro like goalie departments getting bigger and bigger because, you know, they yeah. need people that are bully minds that 
can decipher through this when they go to like recruit kids and scout and all that, because, you know, if, you know, you just have players, former players or whatever, as people making these decisions, picking these goalies, you know, they might just strictly base it off of like you're talking about the kid who's on the best team that's only getting 15 shots versus the kid who is might be better, but may not have as good of stats or good of record because he's getting more quality chances consistently, you know? So I think that's just kind of always going to be the, dilemma with goalies and especially at the youth level too yeah it's uh it's a it's a problem that doesn't have any easy solutions evan do you got anything else here for uh johnny dropping no sir i thought uh at least what i what i heard we had some good conversations here (laughs) oh yeah some good chats um johnny i want to wish you a really fast but more importantly safe recovery uh, we look forward to seeing you hit the ice and, you know, the good news is the way I like to look at this, I mean, silver linings are always, you know, there, man, you're going to be fucking chopping at the bit to go in December, right? Oh yeah. I can't wait, man. So, so it'll be a good deal. Uh, Johnny, thanks again. Good luck. And uh, we'll talk to you shortly. All right. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll be staying in touch for sure. I'll see you bud. All right. Thank you guys. Seriously.